now on this phone, and also I'm recording in Anchor at this moment. So I'm going to call this Accessing ABC's AC, Accessing Cerebral Cortex. So this is the intro uh, example and story to the chapter. And I maybe try to come up with other examples. There's going to be all kinds of examples for accessing uh, people who are anxious. But then you're going to have to come up with a counterexample of them being non-anxious and coming up with solutions to problems. So how do you get from non-anxious to anxious, or no, from anxious to non-anxious, and then come getting solutions to the anxiety of production, production of the problem? And that's what a lot of managers do. They manage to separate you from your anxiety. They figure out what's, what the solution is. Of course, they don't have the anxiety you do. They're figuring it out without the anxiety. And then they try to convince you that this would be the solution to take. So having a third party listen to your story and then come up with ideas is part of the solution. So third parties' solution to anxiety going to cerebral cortex is, is the pathway. And I believe there's some biblical support for that. And I might want to try to find the Bible passage where you go to your counselors, to the people that give you counsel, and give you wise counsel. And so when you're in, stuck in a situation, it's hard to give yourself wise counsel. And so you go to uh, your other count people that you know, that you trust, and they give you wise counsel. So you try to do that. Even if you're in, stuck in an anxiety state, you do that, which is wisdom. Okay, so I'm going to stop recording here to create. Okay, it's 10.13 uh, a.m. I can hear Shirley talking to the dog and the dog barking back. I can't tell if she's playing with him or if she called him a couple of times. Is lucky come back? And just by the tone of what the dog barked, it sounded like things weren't. Yeah, hear that tone, that bark? That does not sound like a dog playing. That's a dog. What is that? I can't tell by the tone, but that's not a playing dog. And that heightens my anxiety. I can't see them. There is this ongoing thing where that dog at any moment in time, just like he did last night, came down without any notice, any noise whatsoever, and just started growling and barking and holy fuck, okay? So now, just by me hearing him barking off in the distance, I have anxiety. Yeah, of course, a dog barking off in the distance that isn't gonna that isn't bothering me now. Maybe that shouldn't induce anxiety into a person. But there's nothing to stop that dog from coming down, and then three seconds from now, barking in a very angry fashion at me, for maybe four seconds. Okay. There's nothing to stop it. There's no physical boundaries. You could probably hear me talking right now. Okay? Because I can hear her talking to him. And that dog has a better hearing than I do. So, so why wouldn't that cause anxiety? Now she's raising her voice. Okay? And the reason why I'm not doing this on video is, first of all, there's a hedge between us. I can't see... So all it really can do is describe it, and I mean, you can hear it for yourself, but uh, uh, you can't see anything. 
I mean, there's little holes in the hedge where I can try to look through, and I don't see anything in the holes in the hedge to indicate where the dog is or where she surely is or what's going on. But that dog is not doing the happy uh, uh, playing around uh, uh, play dog bark. He's unhappy about something, and she's, she's raising her voice to him. Now, in addition, the chicken is calling out as if he recognizes somebody is nearby uh, cock-a-doodle-doo thing, which means maybe they came down around the left side, and the chicken can hear them, and I can't tell. So that would bring even more anxiety to the situation, which is that the dog could be right there, and I can't even see him. I don't think that's the situation. I think I heard the dog a hundred yards away over there on the right. But the fact that the chicken's doing that, it's an indicator. Okay, so just by her uh, talking to the dog and raising her voice to the dog, it's going to bring anxiety. Now, that is not intentional, as far as I can tell, from anybody raising their voice at a dog on a property. That is not intentional infliction of emotional distress. However, when you look at the context of what's going on, and what can happen in a matter of seconds, it can easily become intentional infliction, but I don't think it's still intentional. I think it's just that it can happen and they don't care. So it's negligent uh, uh, dog ownership and negligent behavioral components added to the, the terrorism that the dog is engaging in. Negligent terrorism. So, That's what I'm doing, recording it. It's like uh, I have to live through it. Now I get to record it. So it's weird though. I'm running into. I'm. I only want one month, and I I already covered the hundred gig on my uh, my Google Drive. So I'm gonna have to bump it up to a ter terabyte. And then at this rate, that's a hundred gig a month. Um. But I think I've pretty much covered the ground that I needed to cover. And knowing that I can't transfer very easily the video, I'm trying to get shorter videos and not doing my thoughts on the video. That's just, that was, that doesn't work. I mean, it works, but, uh, you know, all you're doing is showing the hedge, okay? People have seen enough of the hedge. They know the hedge is there. And I can describe, I'm inside the motorhome right now. My door's open, screen door. Uh, you know, that's the situation. And it was a cool morning. Uh, it's warming up, and I can go out into the sunshine, which I'm going to do right now as I talk. Go out into the sunshine, speaking in my normal voice, which can trigger the dog. But that's the thing now. I just walked into a whole swarm of flies, house flies. There's at least two dozen. You can hear them. I guess you can't hear them. Two dozen of them, because they're attracted to the chicken shit. 
in the, the dark recesses of the alleyway between the motorhome and the shed. Now I'm walking over towards the chicken shed, and now I'm seeing, I can't estimate it, and, it, and it, I'm going to take a video of this. I don't know if we can catch this on video, but look at all the, how the sun shines off of the, how many flies there are. Okay, that's a lot of fucking flies. So, for the number that the sun is, 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 is reflecting off of here, let's see if we get closer, is that it going to help? I don't know. You can see a few of them. So that's maybe about a third of the flies that are there right now. And then, see how they're, they're attracted to the chicken shed because of the chicken shed. And you can't see them in here because the sun is not reflecting, but there's almost as many. Here, you can see movement and every once in a while a fly. I'll try to make it so there's not so much movement and it won't move around and you can see the evidence of the flies. Weird. I'm up against the door of the motorhome and there's still movement. I still can't be. I don't have a steady hand. So, pretty much just as many flies here as um, over in the chicken shit shit. And that's just me coming out of where I live into the, where, into the shed. Okay? It's a health hazard. It's disgusting. Thomas ain't gonna do shit about it. Also, <sighs> he can have eggs. Well, fuck. I'll carry a dozen fucking eggs once a week from the fucking uh, store up to your fucking house and hand deliver a dozen fucking clean eggs to your fucking house, okay? What the fuck? The health fucking hazard. You can hear a person's voice from way over there on the other property, the, the nice, wonderful, rich person's property. And there's people doing some kind of construction work. And then right now there's an airplane flying overhead. Oh, wait, we're on video. I thought I was on the audio. There's the airplane. Uh, there's the airplane. Single engine Cessna type of airplane. And that's right how they go to the left of the tower. And then they're to the left of the tower. They always go to the left because they have there's some kind of radio so they signal or something on the tower to stop them from hitting them. Okay. Alright, well now you can see the flies. You can see the airplane and the chicken sit and uh, listen to the chicken. I was in the middle of it describing uh, the dog barking at, at, uh, at Shirley, so I, mean, I wanted to catch some sun. Alright, I just realized that I had some anxiety. Um, what happened a few minutes ago was I heard, it's, it's 10.52 a.m. and about 10 minutes ago or so I was making a, a sandwich and I heard the owner calling out the dog. He's like, oh shit, the dog's out. And my door was open. 
to get light on in the shed. And I was worried that the dog, the dog would come by and bark at me. I didn't have my cell phone with me to get the camera of the event. And it's like, oh shit, I gotta deal with this. Oh fuck, uh, I'm carrying a sandwich. Oh, and I tried to open the door and couldn't get the door open on the way between the shed and the and the motorhome. And uh, my sandwich fell on the ground. And it's like, oh fuck, all this shit's happening. Okay. Um, anxiety. And then, uh, that was minutes ago. Dog didn't come by. I got the door closed. I'm here in the motorhome instead of in the shed, which is where I would prefer to be with the door open and looking and having a nice, beautiful uh, uh, view. Um, with a taller ceiling and a, access to the fridge and and the cup of coffee, the coffee maker. That's about why I want to be there. <clears throat> it's just spacier. Anyways, um, and so I was like trying to read the internet or something, and I realized, oh uh, shit, uh, the word precariat class came up in my dealings with people on the internet, and I realized, well, I'm, yeah, I'm precariat class, yes, I am. And look at how what's going on just in the last few minutes of a precariat class person. And I realized I still had anxiety from the, the few minutes before. I still, there was still anxiety operating on me. That was maybe 10 or 15 minutes before. How long does it take to come down from anxiety? It takes as long as it takes. And if the expectation is, is a few seconds, which apparently it, it seems to be from the person who's not precarious class, who uses the dog to tree me and then comes in and starts talking to me about stuff. His expectation would be that I come down from the anxiety within seconds. Or, really, I don't think that's his expectation. I think he's going to give a line of bullshit and pretend like he thinks that's the expectation. Because it's really, it's a, an interrogation technique where you, you bring all kinds of anxiety into the person. And then a good guy, good cop, bad cop, then the good cop comes in and, and um, leads you by the nose to the solution that they want you to take. Okay, so if you were a Christian, dealing with a Christian, and you're trying to get to the Christian bottom of things, you would not be inducing anxiety on the Christian. You'd say, okay, I understand this causes you anxiety. So we need you to document what causes the anxiety. Here's the anxiety. Oh, shit, you're, under, you're anxious. We get it. We're going to document it. Tell us what it's like. Now you come down from that anxiety. How long is it going to take? It's going to take as long as it fucking takes. Oh, it's taking a lot longer than we thought. Several minutes instead of seconds. Well, that's how long it takes. Okay, now now are you done with your... You're not anxious about that anymore, right? Uh, and it's not... You're not anxious about that anymore, right? None of this bullshit. I mean, you're really trying to get the person to... The, okay, so there's no anxiety. We just want to talk to you without the anxiety... Because that's not healthy for you to be in the middle of an anxious state when we're talking about things. Alright? Several minutes or hours or days or weeks or months or years or later. Okay? However many, however much. So then you get to the point where, okay, so we're talking about this situation that caused anxiety for you. And you're, you're removed from that situation momentarily. And it's not causing you anxiety, so we just want you to investigate it, look into it, see what you can do to 
mitigate your anxiety, to reduce, lessen your anxiety, or maybe solve the problem. So at this point in time, almost everybody that comes up to speed on another person's problem, they always, always say stuff like, well, did you talk to the owner? <laughs> did you try to be nice? Did you talk in soft tones to the owner? Did you talk in soft tones to the dog? Did you try to walk the dog? Did you try to feed the dog? Did you try this? Did you try that? Did you do this? Did you do that? Okay, so adding... 10 hours to the equation of when you're sitting down and talking to the person about who had the anxiety and now you're bringing in more anxiety because they, all this bullshit you're asking, which should be obvious, you should just say, okay, I'm going to write down a bunch of things that I think you maybe should have done or considered and what we're going to do is we're just going to presume that you've done them. And at your leisure, so that you don't have anxiety... I would like you to review all these things. And then if you have done them all, you just check them off. If you haven't done it, check the ones off that you, or, you know, those ones that you didn't do. And see, we'll just kind of discuss those if, uh, if you think those are reasonable things to try. Okay? Or, or tell us why you didn't try them. Or maybe you didn't think, you didn't think of it. Okay, that's the way to go with a precarious class person who's under a lot of anxiety. You gotta get rid of the anxiety. If that's what you value, is their feedback and their input, and their anxiety-free, bullshit-free input. Okay, so if you that's what you value, you do that. You get a completely different response and uh, answers than you do when they're under a ton of anxiety. Now, can I think of other, you know, I've seen tons of examples of this. The one that's come into my mind is when we were dealing with a situation. I was an elder at Shoreline Community Church, and uh, Scott Spielman was the pastor, and Heiner was the, he was an electrical engineer who was raised by a German father, who obviously the German father uh, would just zip, zip zap him and, and cause all kinds of anxiety for him as he was being raised. His, his father was actually an actual Nazi. Anyways, so um, Heiner, the German guy, uh, electrical engineer, and he would he would react to Scott Spielman. He just, I don't know what it was, there's something about his personality it just triggered him. And he thought Scott was uh, authoritarian, <laughs> triggered. And he was just constantly triggered by Scott. And he, he really didn't, wasn't suitable for being in leadership as a result of his triggeredness, this, you know, because he's triggered by the guy that's kind of in charge, and he's like, it's not going to go anywhere. And then Scott got triggered by him being triggered, and Scott went out of his way to, you know, he's, just, he's writing all kinds of stuff in his blog or whatnot, or emails to people, that, and it was like, you know, Heiner was getting under his skin, and so by talking about Heiner, Heiner got all triggered, but, you know, we just got completely blown out. And when somebody left the church, they said, well, I, you know, what do you say to Scott Spielman when you're leaving his church? You don't say, well, Scott, I mean, there's one lady, when she left, she said, well, you have to have a hand in everything that goes on in this church, and that's going to kill this church. I'm leaving. And she wasn't in leadership. She was a good woman, Christian. She just saw it. She left. Someone else in leadership, I can't remember, would have said the same thing, but instead he said, well, you know, that thing with, with Heiner, you just blew that out of proportion. 
because you're looking for something to say at that point. You didn't want to tell Scott that, Scott, you, you have to have a hand in everything. And you're a micromanager, and you micromanage this church into non-existence. And then uh, when the time came for me to say why I was leaving, I didn't feel like telling Scott, well, you're a micromanager, <laughs> and uh, we just don't like serving under you anymore. I had decided that months and months earlier, me and my wife was like, well, we should leave. Okay, well, let's put that in motion. We'll get started on leaving. And then that very week we decided to leave, that's when Scott announced that he had cancer. And I couldn't leave when he had cancer. That's just, uh, that's just not right. But my wife left anyways. Even though it's not right, my wife left unilaterally without discussing with me. That kind of triggers me. <laughs> so, Heiner being triggered is a good example of, of of a person who's just under a lot of anxiety. And then when you, you ask them questions when they're under anxiety, they give you all kinds of triggered anxiety answers. But he had obvious able to obviously was able to access his cerebral cortex as he's an engineer and he could you know if you get him to the non-anxiety point and start asking questions when he's not going to get anxious and triggered he'll probably give you solutions to the problem so that's an example so person who gets all wound up but still has obvious access to non-wound up to cerebral cortex solutions. Uh, that lady that I ran into in, at Cypex, Melissa, package drawing lady, package lady, obviously had the ability to generate solutions, you know, but she would just get triggered and go off and that was it. It was like, end of the story. I mean, I was stuck with this bullshit because she's so triggerable. You can't even do anything without her getting triggered. Um... What other examples of trigger people when you're anxious? There's tons of examples. I just don't know how to relay them to people, right? Uh, and, uh, and so one of my touch points is that Barry Bonds moved on down our street when I was growing up. Bobby Bonds was his dad. Bobby Bonds was a baseball player at the San Francisco Giants, and, and I grew up playing baseball. Well, I didn't grow up, but for a few short years, when Barry and I both lived on the same street, I played baseball with him. And he was an asshole. So he was already an asshole when he was young, when he was 7 to 10 years old, that sort of thing. And his dad more or less encouraged him to become an asshole. And Barry is very surly and very triggerable, and yet obviously accessible to a cerebral cortex going on in his brain. In his mind, in in his case, it was the ability to hit a ball, that kind of stuff. And he was very triggerable, especially once he started injecting himself with the triggerability drugs. You know, uh, that made it worse. So everybody can relate to Barry Bonds being an asshole. And they also want to hear stories about Barry Bonds, right? So they can try to relate to, okay, how did you how did you access the cerebral cortex there of Barry Bonds? How did you get on the problem-solving side of stage of 
dealing with that kid. And the only real, I mean, there's other examples, but one of them was when I loved being, playing Indians, you know, we didn't, we weren't allowed because we were being raised liberal to play cowboys and Indians because the cowboys were the bad guys by that time, even in the 60s. But, so we wanted to play Indians, indigenous Indians and, you know, be, uh, and uh, build fires and, uh, and make uh, spears and arrows and hunt deer, and there were deer sometimes in our backyard, and I wanted to hunt the deer in the backyard. I know that's a silly thing, but I was maybe 10 years old. I don't remember how old I was. So Barry's two years younger than me, and me and Tammy and Barry were looking at the Robinson's house, and there's a palm tree right there, and then the palms have these, uh, the beginning palm is a spike, and the spikes were wonderful things that I thought they would be wonderful to make a spear out of, to make uh, arrows out of. And I wanted to pull some of those spikes. But the front kitchen, you know, you were completely visible to climbing up their uh, palm tree. And so I, so I was trying to climb up the palm tree to pull out the spikes. And then uh, Tammy and Barry came along, and what are you doing on? Do you want to make uh, spears or, or bows and arrows and trying to pull those spikes up. So they were trying to climb and we just couldn't do it. And Barry literally said, okay, let me do this to try. And he runs back 20 feet, runs and ran up the fucking tree. Like you show people running up a wall, you know, they run up to the wall and then run up the wall, like maybe eight feet or so. So he runs to the tree, runs up the tree, grabs a spike, pulls it out, come, pulls it back down. So he was two years younger than me. He did something I couldn't do. And I was like, oh, that's pretty remarkable. That's very athletic. His dad's an athlete. And he's got athletic genes. And he's, you know, that is a remarkable athletic treat, uh, 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 feat. And it was something I couldn't do. And he did. And he was two years younger than me. So it's kind of one of the only examples I could come up with with him doing something I, could, I couldn't do or what I had seen other people do. And he, so he accessed the cerebral cortex in his, in his brain at that point, solving a problem, and came up with a physical solution. And, and I could access the cerebral cortex in my brain. I was trying to climb up that tree, and I couldn't get a physical solution to the problem. So he had access to a better physicality, and he accessed it and thought about it and implemented it. So there is an example of somebody highly triggerable, first-class asshole. But once you example, once you access and do the Tom Sawyer routine, is what are you doing? Oh, I'm painting the fence. Okay, let me help you paint the fence, right? Then they they access their cerebral cortex and they figure out ways to paint the fence faster or better or as good as you or whatever, and climb the palm tree and get the get the spike. Um, maybe I should turn this into a episode, Assholes, Bullshit, and Christianity. What would I call this as an episode? As an intro episode to ABC's some chapter, it would be accessing the cerebral cortex, AC, maybe, um, 
Okay. Let's do that. Uh, I am recording now on this phone, and also I'm recording in Anchor at this moment. So I'm going to call this Accessing ABC's AC, Accessing Cerebral Cortex. So this is the intro, intro uh, example and story to the chapter. And I maybe try to come up with other examples. There's going to be all kinds of examples for accessing uh, people who are anxious. But then you're going to have to come up with a counterexample of them being non-anxious and coming up with solutions to problems. So how do you get from non-anxious to anxious? Or not from anxious to non-anxious and then come getting solutions to the anxiety of the production, production of the problem? And that's what a lot of managers do. They manage to separate you from your anxiety. They figure out what's, what the solution is. Of course, they don't have the anxiety you do. They're figuring it out without the anxiety. And then they try to convince you that this would be the solution to take. So having a third party listen to your story and then come up with ideas is part of the solution. So third party's solution to anxiety going to cerebral cortex is, is the pathway. And I believe there's some biblical support for that. And I might want to try to find the Bible passage where you go to your counselors, to the people that give you counsel, and give you wise counsel. And so when you're in, stuck in a situation, it's hard to give yourself wise counsel. And so you go to uh, your other count people that you know, that you trust, and they give you wise counsel. So you try to do that. Even if you're in, stuck in an anxiety state, you do that, which is wisdom. Okay, so I'm going to stop recording here to create the episode, and um, I'm going to hit plus to add to the episode. It's still processing at this point, um, and I'm 18 minutes into this recording. Uh, I'm going to have to save the recording and pull it in as a, uh, uh, I have to change it from a, a 3GP file to a uh, mp3 and what were we going to call this episode i can't remember right now let's see uh uh eight no your abcs uh no your abcs uh accessing cerebral cortex after anxiety I'm going to write Barry Bonds example uh, Heiner Melissa packaging lady Thomas slash dog need other examples biblical access to cerebral so it's BAC cortex of others counseling okay
There we go. I'm going to create, publish it now. I'm going to save this, and that'll be the first episode of this uh, of this chapter, I guess. Stories and how to do it. Okay.